Yin Yang 2.0, the podcast from Nina and Eileen. Hi, Nina. How are you doing? Hi, back, back, back again. How are you, Eileen? Oh, great. I uh, hope you had a great summer. I, I know I uh, kind of recuperated and did some, you know, had some rest. And then most importantly, reconnecting with friends and family this summer and taking a break from this PhD work. Yeah, oh, this sounds great. The perfect thing you can do at the summer is to, uh, you know, relax a little, meet friends. And yeah, we also had a nice summer. We went on family vacation at the Baltic Sea. Uh, yeah, mostly enjoying beach life. So it, it was great. And um, now the kids are back to school and we're hitting the new pandemic normal <laughs> right there. But we are all fine. Yeah, I um, also had a unique summer with my girls uh, from Berlin visiting here in Florida and um, got a chance to go to a big Panama Canal reunion, which was totally crazy. Uh, it's a group of, we called Zonians and we, we meet annually and it's all different generations from my yeah. parents, you know, to, to my children uh, that all grew up on the Panama Canal and have this connection. So it was just a, it was a total blast. I'm, uh, you know, connecting with my old tribe, you know, people I grew up with. And so it was just wonderful. Yeah, cool. That sounds really nice. So yeah, we um, took a little break from our last episode, but you know, summertime, it's normal. I think everybody needs a little rest and go on vacation and meet old friends. And But now we're back again and uh, want to uh, make, uh, to start our interview series. And you have a quite interesting interview partner today. Yeah, um, I'm so happy we're, you know, interviewing other people to you know, yeah. uh, to, to get their perspective and, and view on, you know, important topics since we, we like to discuss, you know, societal challenges. Um, you know, my, my guest speaker today is um, not only a friend and expat, but uh, also a profound uh, thinker in particularly, um, you know, as a man. And I, I thought this would just be spectacular to have a male perspective on our our podcast series. Yeah. Oh, sounds great. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it and what we can learn from him. And especially um, uh, you talk about the, the modern man life and the gentler man, I heard. Yes. We, uh, you know, took on very complex themes that um, might not resonate with everyone, but, you know, that's part of having difficult discussions or is really talking about these hard themes so we're understanding what's what's really going on, you know, and, and to get rid of stereotypes and biases and, and, and putting everybody in one category. I think this is really important um, message that, you know, treat each other kind and unique and no matter what your gender is. And I think, um, yeah, that's really a, a strong message coming through the interview. And I think everyone's going to love Mike. Yeah, great. So then, yeah, let's start the interview. And um, the next episode, we want to talk to a German patchwork family and also um, to uh, the different cultures um, and the modern man life there. So, okay, then stay tuned and uh, listen to the interview. 
So today we have a special guest, uh, Mark Richardson, who's a, a deep technology entrepreneur and a driven businessman. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Mike uh, years ago at a, a woman's networking event and was immediately drawn to Mike uh, due, you know, for his charismatic personality. Um, so I'll just, so thank you, Mike, I'll, I'll, you know, for joining us today. Um, I know you're a founder of Photonic Insights and you're a business mentor for German accelerators um, for Southeast Asia. I know you were a guest researcher at Frauenhofer Centrum. And amongst all of that, you're also an American expat living in Berlin with your, with your wife and two sons who go to the JFK school. So yeah, um, tell us a little bit about yourself beyond well, that. Yeah. Well, Eileen, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It, indeed, it is a pleasure. Um, and so, yeah, I'll start about myself. So, um, yes, you accurately described I'm a deep technology entrepreneur, but what I think is really interesting is to describe how, you know, how did I get to Berlin six years ago, right? So that's a key part of describing who I am. I was very sick um, six years ago with a disease called hereditary angioedema. It's a very rare autoimmune uh, disorder. And this sickness is what drove me to Berlin. Um, and why that's important is because that I basically started from nothing six years ago. I flew to Berlin, um, having left Seattle, uh, wasn't able to work. I was just too sick and ended up flying to Berlin. Doctors at Charité fixed me, saved me, and it gave me a chance to reboot my career with a focus on deep technology. See, before this, I was in Seattle, working for Microsoft and Disney Technical Services, pretty typical uh, QA manager, software developer, and test. And this transition to Germany, moving to Germany, gave me an opportunity to recreate myself. I really didn't have a choice because, you know, when you start from nothing, ultimately you do, gives you an opportunity to recreate yourself whether you uh, chose to or not. So um, what I do basically is that I, I'm, I'm a voracious researcher. So I'm always reading scientific papers and trying to connect dots. Like, oh, what did I find in this paper that we can make a business out of? And that's ultimately what led to Photonic Insights, um, where we build low-cost spectrometers that are currently being used to characterize the tea harvest in Sri Lanka right now, to give an idea, to help accelerate the ability to grade, which would give the producers uh, better prices, which helps everyone, right? You know, uh, okay. at least in the tea industry. So I'm if I'm rambling a little bit, Eileen, please go ahead. That's okay. No, it's 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 great to to you know I think a lot of people don't understand you know deep technology and um, you know especially this whole startup culture and I think we'll get into that a little bit later. But you know to 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 understand how you got to Berlin and you know what's your passion and what drives you I think is is critical because today what I really wanted to start is a new. Um, series for discussing with men um, what conflicting issues they have in society today. And um, that is a topic very close to heart for me because I'm, I'm really curious about notions of masculinity and manhood in our cultures and in our, in our different, you know, different places we live in the world. And particularly I became interested in studying this through my conflict resolution PhD program, where I was learning a lot about how women are 
redefining their sex, their gender. Um, but I haven't really seen many, you know, literature on men, you know, taking a step back and looking at where, where are men going in society today? And so it, it made me want to reflect a little bit more um, as a coach, how, how can I help particularly men, you know, feel better with their lives, um, how to deal better with conflicts in their the workplace or in their personal relationships. And really my biggest hope and gift through such a series is what to discover what legacy do men want to leave and how are they going to tap into their greatness and i just see you've done a lot of those things in your life and you're you're a huge source of inspiration and so that's why i wanted to interview you today and um maybe ask some hard questions that well, i'd love to answer those because <laughs> i definitely want to address male aggression Mm -hmm. There's one thing that we men are not homogeneous, okay? And that popular conceptions of how men are don't necessarily represent all men, right? And so I'm waiting for your lead in on this because I have some, I've made some observations this weekend with my boys regarding male aggression. If you don't mind me jumping in, and that's- No, that's, that's okay. Uh, I it's, mean- It's, okay, it's that I was think, watching how kids were playing at a swimming pool in Germany. And there is sometimes you have these boys that get together that are highly aggressive. And watching this from the outside is I'm protecting my son, right? Uh, because, you know, uh, young teenage boys, when they're aggressive, can do a lot of damage without intent. It's just, you know, it's a, a maelstrom. They're like walking storms, right? And as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, hey, my friends, we didn't act this way when we were the same age. Mm -hmm. So when this is given and the excuses given is boys will be boys i take offense to that mm -hmm. i saw displays of aggression and then realizing hey my little boy doesn't do that my friends at the same age didn't do that so why are we saying boys will be boys why don't we point out that this is aggressive behavior that we're mm -hmm. seeing and that also that it's learned because if it wasn't learned and an innate quality of being a man and a part of having testosterone right then I would have been that way. And my friends would have been that way, but we're not. And there's a large group of men that really aren't aggressive. We can be protectors, we can fight, we can be warriors, but we're not aggressive, if this makes any sense. That's well, interesting, because I, I, that's particularly an area of interest is, you know, um, watching men be very frustrated or, or, or they have anger and, um, you know, it affects, their overall happiness and and their being able to to do what they do well and you know a lot of that could be stem from our upbringing right our cultural and systemic context how we grew up but i think the narrative is what you're talking about like this narrative of you know what is the gentleman of the future right uh you know do we have certain biases or stereotypes that we define masculinity you know as strong um, you know, and, and, and of course, you see a lot in the literature now with feminism, boys being brought up gentler. Um, you know, that's a change in culture and the way things are done. And, and, you know, there's a big backlash from men that would even say, oh, these guys are all pussies, right? You know, they're, they're, oh, they're, yeah, they'll they're say weak. that, or they'll say, or they'll, they'll say, and my apologies, I'm going to use the term, my apologies yeah, that wasn't a right LG, term for LGBT me either, but friends, right? But, you know, they'll say fag, right? 
right. what's really funny is that they'll that they'll to label men like me as being effeminate because we're not aggressive. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm far from being gay. I have no problem with that. What I learned to say if someone makes it passes makes a pass at you that's gay, you say I'm flattered but I'm straight. I mean, my God, if someone wants to show you affection, it, all you have to do is say no kindly. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean you have to take it, right? But we're talking about these images, and what's kind of ironic is that the this hyper masculine actually, if you're in the gay realm, that's kind of more of a gay image, mm -hmm. a, a gay stereotype. So it's interesting how that's how that the sexuality is used to denigrate a man, to call someone like who's not aggressive, effeminate. Mm -hmm. But if you spent any time in the gay community, there's a large group of gay men that are hyper-masculine, that define masculinity in behavior and how they look. And so I think part of this is that we need to start separating the sexuality from the masculinity mm -hmm. because you can be effeminate and love women and you can be masculine and aggressive and not love women and love men. Right. I see them as mutually exclusive. And the sooner we're able to start separating this, I believe we'll be better equipped to perhaps saying solving a problem is too strong of terms. But I mean, for me and a lot of men, we're tired of this aggressive masculinity. It's a pain in the ass. And mm -hmm. it actually, you know, we men, even if we're not aggressive, we are wired in a certain way that when our, our fight or flight response is triggered, and we are presented with aggression, you know, we wind up quicker. This is a physiological fact. And then it takes us time to wind down mm -hmm. so that when gentle men, thoughtful men are it can countered with aggressive men, it rips, our, it rips us apart inside because our bodies are saying fight, but we're thinking with our front brain. No, I don't want to fight. It's not worth it. I don't like to fight, right? But our bodies are saying that, fight back. And so mm -hmm. the damage that these hyper-aggressive masculine men can do to gentle men is profound. Now, is that going to turn us from being gentle men into aggressive beasts? Uh, from my observations, that's generally not what isn't what happens. What happens with guys like us that are exposed to this toxic masculinity is we take it out on ourselves. We start drinking. We start using drugs. We go the passive aggressive route. We mm. develop all these toxic compensations that are not directly aggressive because we've been confronted with aggression. Very interesting. Well, so, um, do you think any of your, um, you know, your, your outlook or how you deal with maybe women today was uh, influenced by growing up in a household full of sisters in the U.S. I think my outlook was I was raised by a single mom. Okay. Okay. And so this was in the seventies. So I came home or not that she came home, right? I was already at home. I was a latchkey kid, right? You know, that's what they called us back in the seventies because there wasn't mom or dad waiting for me to come home from school. And my mom would come home crying a lot because of sexual harassment at work. I grew up with this. I wow. grew up with the exhaust, the shock of this. So you know, I'm not going to say I'm a great guy, you know, I make my mistakes, but definitely uh, hitting on women or the sexual using a position of power to try to have any type of influence over a woman in a professional environment disgusts me, makes me sick, because I saw the end result of that. And this, these things still occur. It's just not over grab ass like they did in the 70s. I mean, horrible things I would hear my mom hmm. say that they would do. Um, it's more subtle now, but the same bullshit occurs. Now, what does this mean? So you probably, you know, women that get under attack are single moms. So that's going to go out to the kids, right? So if a dude's being a jerk like this, 
look, you're not just victimizing a woman. That should be enough. That should be more than enough for you, right? And for you to get some help because that ain't the right way of doing things. But think one more. You're also spreading this toxin, this poison to their kids, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, dude, horny, horny, dumb, studly dude, right? Maybe think about that and maybe that'll pull you back. You're not just damaging this woman that you're treating as a commodity. You're damaging her whole sphere of influence. Come on, guys. I mean, this is how I think. Now, does that mean that, like, you know, like, I'm not going to say I'm a great guy. If a woman has a low-cut blouse, I, you know, I got to turn, I actually turn my head pretty pronounced at times because I don't want to be, <laughs> I mean, I'm still a guy, okay? But I don't want to be looking down a woman's shirt. It's not, you know, so I might be kind of comical at times for, like, looking away because I don't want to trigger any thoughts like that. I don't want to be one of those bad guys. You know, a woman comes to work and she should be able to dress how she wants. You know, even if it might be considered revealing, guys, we just got to step it up and learn how to desexualize that and think of the person underneath and not the costume. Now, of course, there are going to be extreme examples that even, you know, I would, I would let other ladies be the judge of that. If the ladies in the office said, you know, that's a little too much, that's what I would go with. But it's not for a guy to say that, okay? Really, you know, unless, uh, unless the women are free to say, hey, you know, those pants are a little tight, quit showing off the moose knuckle. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, you're not a sexy guy. I don't want to see your belly or your ass crack, right? I mean, it goes both ways. <laughs> and the way I would, my preference would be, how about neither? How about none of us do that? So does that, I hope that wasn't right. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, you That's, know, it's, it's like you said, it works both ways. And, um, you know, it's learning how to be a bit assertive, right? You know, to say, you know, in a way to communicate clearly, you know, if, if someone's crossed the line or if they're, you know, acting in a certain a, a way that, you know, you feel comfortable to, to, you know, to say that, but a lot of people want to avoid conflict or they're, they're scared to, you know, deal with that bully or the aggressor. And so they become victims, like, um, unfortunately, and, and then that, causes havoc in their own life and, 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 you know, these toxic work environments and, and, and difficult situations. So, you know, the more people learn on how to, to be assertive and to, to be able to recognize those signs, which is, you know, and I love, like you said, Hey, everybody has responsibility. So if you see that going on in your own, it's, it's time to step up and to say, look, that that's needs to stop. Uh, rather than, oh, that's one of the guys, give me a high five, right? You know, yeah. um, you know, this type of encouraging behavior. And so just to kind of stop it, I think, um, you know, learning to say no. And yeah. So- Well, these are very important because like one of the, like, okay, like not all men are the same and not all women are the same, right? right. So I think I'm speaking for a class of men that, you know, the non-aggressive doesn't mean we're not men, we, we just don't like to be aggressive doesn't serve our ends. Now you have groups of women and, and you also have a hysteronic type of women that causes problems for guys like us in the workplace, right? Mm. And it's a vicious cycle. It's a, it's a, what do we call Yeah, it's not a virtuous cycle. It's a vicious cycle. So you have men in power positions, right? And they tend to like, you know, this is from experience and we see this going on in the workplace, the, the quote unquote pretty girl, the one who's made up, right? And that's the one that will get the attention. That's the one that will get the direct sexual harassment not cool, right? On the other hand, that's the one that gets the attention and may use their sexuality to advance themselves and work above other women that are not choosing to play a 
make up and look pretty game that instead are relying upon their skill. And if you're a woman, you've got to show twice the amount of skill. Okay, that's just how it is. It sucks. I would like to see that change, but that's the pressure women are on. So now we have a woman that may choose not to wear lots of makeup. Maybe they're taking care of their family. Maybe they're researching. Maybe they're just doing what they want to do and don't want to play that game. So when we encourage this aggressive behavior, we create the histrionic, you know, uh, makeup-y woman and the aggressive guy. These are not good for thoughtful men and thoughtful women, right? So it hurts both. Those two feed each other. So the histrionic woman wreaks havoc for men like us, for me, right? I don't know how to deal with that because that type of magic doesn't work on me, right? Mm -hmm. The blinking of eyebrows and, <laughs> you know, some of these... Uh, let's see, semi-sexual female per persuasive techniques don't work on me. So, you know, that's a great conversation that occurs, right? Histrionic woman tells a you know, aggressive guy then, oh, well, he must be gay, right? First of all, what's wrong with being gay? You know, second of all, I'm not, but what's wrong with that, right? You know, that's, so uh, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to get across is that we need elements of safety and we need to be able to protect men that are gentle and we also need to be able to stick up for the women that choose not to play the standard stereotypical role models in the office, right? We need to, we need to stick up. I don't like the, I got to find another term. For that. Let, let's just say not made up. I don't want to say less pretty or anything because mm. beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We're talking about a very stereotypical corporate image and there are others. And I've been exposed to this by working in the research community. And working in the research community now, okay, there's sexism that occurs there. Okay, horrible. Look at your department heads, and that'll show you that mm -hmm. that's entrenched sexism. However, at the same time, within these professional groups and working with women that are senior researchers, they seem to be free of the histrionic element, right? You don't get your PhD by wearing makeup and looking pretty. You have to generate some very original thought ideas, right? Mm. And so. I would add to this that like if men want a cure from this or to see that there is another way, embed yourself in research communities and start seeing, you know, how men and women interact when it's a professional goal without some of this sexual politics. And for me, that was something great about being in Berlin is that I was exposed to the research community and it helped me, it gave me uh, hope. Wow, I see there is a different way. I see males and females treating each other as equals because they're all contributing to the paper. And if that paper gets rejected, it's on all of their names, all right. not one. Well, I so, love that, you know, like you said, this kind of collaborative and, and somewhat neutral, safe environment. I think that's, you know, that you can bring, you know, through that safety, you bring out the best qualities in, in both genders and, and whatever, you know, if you're non-binary, whatever gender you are, um, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's, it's about like, and I loved what you said. It's about the person, not, not what you see, but who, who, who they really are. And I think that's now, you know, this inclusivity, like how to make workplaces inclusive. Um, you know, the, that's the big buzzword these days, but how do you truly do that? You know, um, any, curation, any... strong curation. It, the mistake that's being done today is that these strong words are being said. Oh, we're going to create psychological safety, mm -hmm. but there's not someone to coach it through. Mm -hmm. So whether it's curation, coaching, or management, we can look, we can each three have different flavors. The key is it cannot be left to chance. Mm -hmm. 
because, and I went through recently, went through an experience like this. When you have a toxic employee, now I don't want to be passing judgment on a toxic employee because many toxic behaviors that we see are trauma-based. They are a result of a human going through trauma. Okay, right. so we gotta be open of hearts on this. Even if these toxic people, as we call them, make our lives hell, we gotta understand, you know, we were all born loving babies, right? Something happened in between, okay, for so the most true. part. And it's to keep this in mind. Um, but when these toxic people are in a workplace, management needs to jump on that immediately. Not like we'll talk about it tomorrow, like really get that person and have some way of calling out that behavior, making that person accountable immediately. And I mean immediately, because what happens is if you let this fester for a day, mm -hmm. I'll use a biological wound example. Okay, I got a little cut. Oh, that's just a little cut. Go back to work. I didn't bother cleaning it or treating it. And you know what? 50% chance it's just got a little scab and it's okay. Other 50% chance is it's a little sore and it's getting infected. All I had to do was clean it properly at the beginning. Hmm. Minor thing. And it's the same thing with some type of management authority figure or coach intervening with the toxic employee right away. You minimize the damage they do. You send a very clear signal to the rest of the people on a team or in an organization that this is not tolerated. Now, if it's done with loving kindness, right? You take the toxic person aside, explain what they do, and don't punish. Coach mm -hmm. them through it, exactly. right? You can't punish them. I mean, ultimately, the punishment is termination. Ultimately, the punishment is acknowledging that they are toxic and putting the firewall or separation until you're able to help them be right. Hmm. But to leave that toxic entity or person there does so much damage over time. Then when you're in this situation, will you trust your managers if they let, uh, you know, Jim, Jim, the grab ass guy? Well, he's just, you know, that's just how he is, right? That's just how he is. Oh you know, just God. get over it. He's not trying to have sex with you. He's just grabbing your ass. Really? No, 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 no. That would be immediately. And that would, you know, how you would do that. I've always believed criticism is best in private, not public, hmm. right? Depending on the, how egregious it is. But that comment goes, it's like immediately, hey, Jim, we don't operate this way in our company, okay? Right. Um, I love your work product. Hey, you know, would you like to have, talk to someone about this, right? right. We, you know, we love you here and we want to work. We want to find a way to make this work, right? It needs something like that. But then if you give that person that chance and they continue to be abrasive or aggressive, then, you, you know, the other employees need swift action. Right. I don't necessarily mean termination, but it means, okay, counsel and separate this person. Watch them. Management person, you might not be able to work on your KPIs because you're work, you need to work on your most important asset, your people. So right. in summary, active. You just can't put have a PowerPoint presentation and someone coming in telling you about diversity in the in work environment mm -hmm. and then leave it to chance. Leaving it to chance never works with humans. Right. No, it's like we you go said, tribal. You... We go tribal, right? That's right. what we do. That, and that doesn't work. Yeah, it's hard to, inclusion. you know, when to learn new skills and like you said, apply them. I mean, most people are resistant to change and, you know, change behavior is the only, you know, real source of action, right? You could say all you want, but, um, but I love everything you said. I mean, I think you should be a conflict resolution trainer. Uh, that's, that's what I do, but, but you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's installing those 
those core values, I think, in the way you work and, and, and you know, and, and, and many companies, you know, need to have those virtues and make it part of their, their work ethic and, and way of doing things. So I love all that and, and how you observed in the research community, particularly in, a, in, in an international setting, um, you know, how there's, you know, this dynamic place that everybody can flourish. So I think that's, these are great stories. Um, so maybe to, to kind of wrap up today, do you have any kind of final advice or um, for our listeners, uh, particularly we'd like to reach out to our male um, listeners to, to have, to help them. Um, so any, any, any final advice you would want to share? Uh, for men, be a better guy and learn, however difficult this may be, to develop friendships with women that are non-sexual. Find a way. It's hard, okay? It can be a challenge. However, if you are able to do this, it will enrich your life because by learning to work with women as friends and colleagues, you've just opened up 51%. That's right, more than us guys. 51% of the population is a resource. So I implore to you, if you don't have to do this from an open heart. You don't have to do this from just trying to be a good person. It's good business sense. Why would you um, have yourself wired in a way that you could not take advantage to leverage the opportunity that 51% of humanity can provide by interacting with them in a different way? It's good business sense. It's good for your heart, good for the soul, and good for humanity. What a learn wonderful. to be a friend with women. Wonderful. And that's why I'm friends with Mike. I love this guy. He's uh, been a wonderful mentor. I think many of you that are in the technology field reach out to Mike because he's a, a, a great source of knowledge. And um, maybe I'm curious, just as a final question, um, what, what legacy do you see yourself leaving um, as a man? Um, so one day when you look back, what is it that you would like to leave and maybe install particularly? I hope my boys, boys are good husbands, good partners. That's one. Okay. So mm -hmm. that, that I can at least start the general. That's the one legacy is that my boys end up being, you know, good partners. And that would be good because then I'm able, then I've elicited a change. Um, the other legacy is really up in the air right now due to the IPCC, the climate report. And the other legacy, and I don't know how this looks right now, is to be part of the solution. Right? Wonderful. I want to raise two boys that are going to be part of the solution by not uh, perpetuating toxic gen uh, gender stereotypes or toxic masculinity. And the other legacy is up in the air, uh, basically to be on the side of solving our climate problem. Hmm. So my children will at least, if, when I'm at my deathbed, at least say dad tried. Dad did wow. something for us. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I, I, I loved our, our discussion. I'm sure you've inspired many uh, to think a little bit more about, you know, masculinity, toxic behaviors, and, and really, you know, why are we here? And are we really living our greatest potential? And, and what can we do now to, to move in that right direction? So Thank you so much. Our next, our next podcast with my, my co-host Nina, she'll be talking a, a little bit about German patchwork families. Um, and so that will be our, our next episode. So stay tuned. So thank you so much again, Mike. That was wonderful.
My pleasure. Thank you very much. And all the best for the, your future podcasts and episodes. I encourage anyone listening to continue to stay tuned. You're uh, only going to become enlightened. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. And please don't forget to subscribe.